Hello, everybody. Welcome to Formed by Jesus podcast. I almost forgot the name of it. You did. You were just asking me what's the name. <laughs> and uh, this is episode number two. We are in season one on the Sabbath. I have Pastor Caleb with me. And we are the kind of the two putting this series together week by week. And fun fact, we have an overview of our messages up on our website every single Sunday. So if you go to formedbyjesus.com for these for this series on the Sabbath, our teaching is there and there's always an overview of what the message is about. And actually Pastor Caleb is the one who creates those every week. So I make my sermon. Caleb, how long does it take for you to come up with these overviews? Oh, to write them? Yeah. 10 minutes. Wow, because I just always tap out because they take me so long. I'm like, Caleb's going to come up with a better one anyways. So, Caleb, how about you read the overview of what we talked about on Sunday, this last Sunday, about rest? Yeah. The idea of rest seems simple enough. We all want rest, but we never seem to get it. Always just outside of our reach, rest seems either something to laugh at or something to buy. But one of the most radical things that Jesus teaches us is that he is able to offer us true rest without requiring us to work more, do more, or have more. So when we practice Sabbath, we stop all of our work and worry so that we're able to become people of true rest. Like Israel, we remember that we've been saved from the oppressive yoke of productivity, and instead we've taken on Jesus' yoke of ease. We reject the lie that our worth and value come from what we do and that rest is a commodity we have to earn. In this way, rest is a countercultural rebellion against the powers and systems at war against God and his kingdom. So to practice Sabbath is to accept the invitation to rest while living in a world of hurry. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. What it- so we started with stop and now we're going into rest. In your yeah. mind, what is the difference? Is there a difference? Why is it helpful to add this concept on top of the first one? Oh, that's a good question. Stopping is step one. We talked about that last week. I think stopping is the thing. If you can't get used to just letting go of things, then you can't participate in the active practices. That'll actually give you rest. Or next week, we'll talk about delight and worship. So stopping seems the most passive. You have to let go and just learn to not fill your mind with productivity or whatever it is that you do throughout the week. And then resting is the first step. And okay, then what do I actually do? How do I engage in practices then that will give me rest and then next week delight and then eventually worship? Um, So stopping is step one. Rest is like step two. And rest, I would say, is the end goal of Sabbath. And so everything is encompassed by the idea of rest. Like the things that I'm doing should give me delight so that I become well-rested The ways that I worship should strengthen my soul so that I become well-rested. And then that just carries on throughout the rest of your week. Yeah, that's good. I did have a little bit of uh, so many different books and so many different people. They use the stop and then rest. Like those are the most literal interpretations or translations of the word Shabbat. And so I knew as we organized this, I was even reading Emotionally Healthy Spirituality just as a reminder of what that book's all about and it has a whole thing on sabbath and they use that framework those four words and i kept and preparing for this message kept thinking what's the difference like stopping and resting because i think there is a lot of redundancy there but i think there's that's a beauty to that but i i feel like rest is more of a vision of i think it's a more compelling 
uh, it's a picture of the result. Like you're going to have a heart at rest. Yeah. In Matthew 11, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, come to me and you'll find rest for your souls. He doesn't say come to me and stop for your souls. Stop is step one though, because what we talked about in our groups is, and we're still hitting that. So we just had our together group last night to talk about this topic. And I think schedule is still the number one enemy to us yeah. figuring out how to Sabbath. And it's figuring out what to stop. Yeah. Like I have felt a lot of pushback of people saying, yeah, but you don't get it because I need to do right X, Y, and Z. Have you experienced that in your group? And I've experienced that in my life. Yeah. I think in my group too. I think the thing that people need to understand is that productivity isn't just an action. It's also a mindset. And so where stopping is step one, step two of rest means like you're separating yourself from the mindset of productivity. So you might be able to stop productivity from work, but then doing house chores is still a method of productivity. And then when I first started practicing Sabbath, I really struggled with um, for example, a messy house. If I wasn't able to clean the house on Friday, then my capacity to rest was limited on Saturday, which is when I Sabbath. Is that still the case? A little bit. Or are you just better at cleaning before? I'm better at cleaning before, but I realized that in the moments when I am not able to clean on those Sabbaths, I think that's an invitation for God to reveal to me my own issues of control, but also the mentality of productivity that I have in that like, I can't fully rest until my work is done. And that's why we talked about Sabbath being instituted by time. Because whether the work is done or not, when you mark it by time, then you have to let go. Yes. And I think that's a harder practice, but that's what ends up leading you into rest is you learn how to rest despite what, what is left undone, which is a part of this week's practice too, using the Sabbath box. I'm finding it really hard to be empathetic for that particular problem. <laughs> One is I'm a guy. So even as far as the roles in our house, I do, I clean a lot. And me and Jordan talk about that. We always joke like Jordan does all the cleaning. It's simply not true. And that's fine. But the reality is I do all the fun stuff of clean. I think dishes are fun. That's weird. Yeah. Weird. Why? Well, I, I love doing it and I love sweeping. Like there's something therapy. So those are my two. Those are my jam. But I don't, I can have a messy house and still have a great day. Yeah. And so many in my group were like, it's impossible. And I was trying to figure out how do you balance grace and truth. Yeah. And so I had a line. I was like, that, that might preach. I told him, I said, you know what though? At the end of the day, you need to decide, would you rather have a clean heart and not a clean house? Which one do you want? So like for me... Like I need to just stop whatever I'm doing and, and that recalibrates my heart and my, the rhythms to the grace that Jesus has for me. And so I'd rather have that in a messy house than a perfectly clean house and a messy heart. Yeah. And I think it's that whole, the wilderness and the way of Pharaoh just being embedded into the people of Israel and they're wanting to go back to Egypt. Like I see that in real time with myself in different ways, not cleaning, but with a lot of our folks of cleaning, like there's a mind, there is like a prison yeah. of it's, imp no, you don't get it. It's impossible until all of that's done. Yeah. But I'm like, but you don't get it because the principle of Sabbath is to, it's stop day, no matter if you've got it done or not. Yeah. So it's hard to balance that because I don't want to make people get overwhelmed at the thought of Sabbath. And we're trying to do a great job of really painting the beauties of Sabbath. And it's a beautiful rest. But as you put in the notebook, the Sabbath guide, rest takes a lot of effort. It's yep. so like we have to keep reminding them of that too, that it takes hard work 
so what we're trying to paint, Nala, get out. My dog is in here. Out. What we're trying to paint is this idea, this beautiful picture of rest. But I think I need to, we need to continue to do a good job of saying, but it, it, I know Sabbath is about rest, but especially in the beginning, it takes work to get to that rest. Yeah. There's preparation. The Sabbath prep was just as important, I think, in Jewish tradition as the Sabbath itself. And so you want to prepare in a way where you're not going to set yourself up for failure. And so I think there is some merit to getting things done. Like I, just because I like a clean house for Sabbath doesn't mean that I need to train myself to like always have a messy house. If I have the capacity to clean on Friday, I think that's a part of my prep so that on Friday, I'm not setting myself up for failure by looking around and being like, I intentionally left the house a mess. Uh, I have to clean it now, that kind of thing. But then there's also that we talked about this last week. It requires you to rearrange the rest of your schedule. Yes. And so like Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, whatever day you're Sabbathing, what is it that you're doing in the evenings? How are you using your free time? Like Sabbath confronts you not just on the day itself, but you have to rearrange your schedule in a way that like makes space for rest so that you have the capacity to do that, which makes you realize like how you're spending the rest of your time. And that, again, this is like, I get where people are coming from. Totally. I, I, this is not like a condemning, like you need to figure it out and just be better. But it does take, this is a part of the practice. For me, I think I think the helpful paradigm is if you work with your hands all week, do something with your mind. If yeah. you work with your mind all week, do something with your hands. And what's hard, the hard thing for me on Sabbath that I try to justify is I really do reading in order to learn. And so even on Sabbath day, of course I'm reading scriptures. And actually even there, I try to just sit yeah. in the Psalms because there's certain different texts and my mind's already thinking of sermon illustrations or yeah, or repent. But like, this is the day just to have joy. So try to be really particular with what I read. But I try, what I try to justify is this is a Christian book, so I can keep reading. But it does put me in a different spirit, that of productivity, that of getting ahead. Yeah. And all of a sudden it becomes this weight and this burden. And the reality is even from a purely, from just a productivity point of view, which I don't want us to do, but... It's also just good for me to not read once a week so that I actually have more energy and I can retain more. But still an advantage for me, for me in the overall learning not to read. And I know this probably won't apply to a lot of people, but I'm just, I've been trying to think through, mine's not cleaning, what is it? And it's yeah, reading. ask what yours is. And then it's the balance too, is like you want to find things that you enjoy. So like reading, if that gives you life and that's a form of like rest for you, if that's, con- I think that can be congruent with the spirit of Sabbath. Just like if you work with your hands all week, but you don't necessarily work out like I was some one of our church members in my group was he was talking about how he's, he has a very physically demanding job and he doesn't but he also needs to he wants to look out for his health and things like that but he's work with my body all week so even finding ways to use your body to get rest but detach it from productivity so like fun workout versus like manual labor that's a very different thing yeah going for like a, an easy run or something or that's why for me, like going on a bike ride. Yeah. Cause I'm able to enjoy the scenery and it's a little bit easier than running. So I have found little hacks with that mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, I don't want to be lazy. So I do for me, Sabbath day is to engage with my body, but I don't want to be like sore the next day because of like how hard I worked out on my tonal or whatever. Yeah. And so I, th- the other thing I th- think I feel with our church because this is let's be very clear this is a Passion Creek Church project yeah praise the Lord for anybody listening outside of our realm but like we're pastors to this local church and so that's all of our thoughts and thinking but I feel there's a pressure to figure it all out today 
Yeah. Oh no, my Sabbath wasn't that great. So I guess Sabbath isn't for me. Yeah. When meanwhile, the books I read and the people I listen to, they all consistently said it took half a year to finally get in some sort of rhythm of I enjoy Sabbathing. Yeah. They talk about the J curve mm. in psychology where it starts off. Okay. Like it's fine. It's weird. Maybe a little awkward. And then it just gets worse. And then there's a point where you hit the bottom and it's like, you just can't figure it out. But then if you persevere through whatever it is that you feel like you're hitting up against, whatever walls are blocking you, then you start to experience the life-giving nature of the practice. And I think like that's exponentially, true. right? Exponentially, really like a J literally. And, and then Sabbath does that too, because of all these little, they're almost like mini practices you have to, to put into place so that you are able to get something out of it. And the other thing is like rest. It's hard for people to, to rest when things are left undone. So we like getting rest is often a result of completing the work. And so when you still have work to do, that's not completed. I don't know if it's a Western thing or an American thing or a productivity thing, or just a human thing, probably it's really hard to be okay with the fact that no, I can still rest even when things are undone. And I think that's where the spiritual element comes in is like, there's, and that's a sign of a mature person, right? There's always something that can be done. There's always some, but ultimately I know that things have already been done one day. I'm not going to have to worry about dishes or laundry or my kids or whatever, like the kingdom's coming and I'm living in that reality today just for the day. So I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to, to that facet of rest as a reality that we're living in that's not the result of our work and the reward for something we've done through the week. That's why I like we're saying rest is resistance. And I think that implies the fight. It implies yeah. energy. And it implies, hey, when you rest, you will feel resistance. Even as we ended our message last week, it was like, we either will resist pride or we resist humility. We'll yeah. resist contentment or we'll resist envy. Like we're always resisting. The question is, what will you resist? And the reality is your mind, body, soul, spirit is so used to not resisting Pharaoh and Egypt and the systems of this world of productivity. And so that's why it feels weird. But we have to do jujitsu in our mind of, oh, but what we're doing now should feel weird. That's actually why we're so exhausted. Yeah. So there's this pushback, I think, in our mind, our flesh, the world, the devil of like, this isn't good for you. This I know Trey and Caleb think that rest is nice, but this just isn't going to be for you. And that's OK. Yeah. After these four weeks, just never do it again. Don't tell anybody and everything's fine. Yeah. And so I really feel that. And I think it goes back to our constant conversations about what is shepherding, what is pastoring. Because we can't force our people to do it. Yeah. I think what we can do, so like you have the Dallas Willard Vim, right? Vision, intention, means. So I think our job is to paint the vision, a, a beautiful life, right? Live it out ourselves, but also talk about people and show. I'm talking to my cousin right now. He just read Burning in My Bones. Have you read that yet? The Eugene Peterson, Eugene Peterson bio. Beautiful. And it's a vision of a life of a pastor that was really at peace and at joy and loved the scriptures. And so like, I love reading that to remind myself like that life is possible. Like I, that's a beautiful vision. So I think it's our job to paint the vision. This is going to be epic. Yep. And then the other part of our job is the means. And so what we're trying to do is here's how you stop for 24 hours. And here's some of the days you can do it and rest. Like in our message on Sunday, we, there's different ways to rest, right? There's the mental rest for your mind. There's the physical rest for your body. There's yeah. the emotional rest from all the burdens. There's the social rest for the broken people. So we're trying to show all these means, like just try this. 
but none of this works without the intention. And you and I cannot control people's intentions. They have to decide if they're going to do this or not. And it's scary because it's, I'm pretty sure maybe even the vision sounded appealing in the moment, but the means was just too much and you just have no intention of trying. And that's true. I think of all the, pra- that's why the preaching the practices are so hard is because you can preach. I don't know. This might get me in trouble. Do it. Okay. Do it. Yeah, you can preach the gospel in a way that's so vague every week that you have no way of measuring if your people are actively engaged in things like their own spiritual life or justice or compassion or generosity. And then when you, but when you start preaching the specifics, like, no, look how Jesus lived. Let's try that out as a church for the next four weeks. That's like a very measurable um, way to see how your people are spiritually and things like that. I think there's, let me think. I think there's two ways you can preach the gospel and get away with, and nobody feels a sense of accountability. Yeah. The first way is to make a huge deal about the enemy out there. Oh, so man, this world, and we do this in like our hook, like in our culture. Hey, yeah, the world is pretty tough. Like yeah. we talked about Pharaoh in Egypt this week. And we gave data about how Americans, we work more than ever before. We have slaves more than ever before. We have more than ever before. And yet we are unhappier than ever before, right? So that's all enemies around us. But you can make it as like a rah-rah, we're not them. Praise the Lord, we're the church and go home. Yeah. And I think so much of the gospel is, oh, like you have the stories in scripture when it's a good guy versus a bad guy. And we have to first assume we're the bad guy and start to process that. But the other way is like, man, you can't, but Jesus did it for you already. So every week is just a sermon on it's impossible. So it's almost, we're implying don't even try. Jesus already did. It's done. Just wait. And just, yeah. And it's yes, Jesus. Yes. Jesus has fully justified us. The blood has all the power. But this vision of the kingdom is also, okay, let's live in that kingdom in the here and now. It's already and not yet. And so that's what the tension we're trying to push into. Yeah, and it's yeah. hard and it gets people uncomfortable. I think, yeah, it it creates odd, uncomfortable conversations with people. And I think it really presses them to go, am I following the way of Jesus or not? Versus do I just have a mental assent that Jesus is my savior? Yeah. And then Sabbath too, like, I guess to wrap up that part it's so confronting because it reveals what you actually care about like it reveals where your your actions are so aligned with your heart that it's that james k smith thing like your habits are formed by what you love not what you think you love Mm. and so if you find yourself unable to give up that one thing on sabbath this is a generalization but that's there's a good chance that might be the thing that god is asking you to hold with open hands And the practice of Sabbath is ultimately a practice of letting go of control. And so you're confronted with productivity, whether that's work or home life or whatever. Maybe you have no problem stopping work, like work nine to five, whatever that is. But you really struggle to let go of the control over like your home or your self-growth, your personal. There are some people that are so high achieving that they can't stop that for a day. And if that's the thing that you're like, you don't understand, I just can't give this thing up then there's a good (laughs) chance that's the thing that God is saying. No, but you can. So let's try it out. Yeah. And here's the thing. You can because of grace. Exactly. And grace is not just this sense of forgiveness, but it is an empowerment to live the Jesus life. And so that's what I love about Sabbath. What's that Ruth Haley Barton line? Like any other discipline, Sabbath is a means of grace. It's how we access the goodness and power and love of God, right? And so it has to be confronting. So it opens ourselves up. We let go of a sin of 
Go ahead. You there's an. Well, yeah, now. I just thought of the rich young ruler in Mark when Mark tells the story of the rich young ruler, where the he comes to 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 Jesus and he says, "Teacher, what do I have to do to receive eternal life?" And he says, "Follow the law." And he says, "I've done all that." And then Jesus says, "We'll sell all your possessions to the poor and come and follow me." Mark includes that little detail that Jesus, after he says, I've done all those things, Jesus looks at the man. It says he looks at him and he loved him. Mm. And so I see it as not God trying to rip something that you're holding on to tightly out of your hands. But I think it is Sabbath is God lovingly looking at you saying the thing that you're trying to find life from is not giving you life. Mm -hmm. So like that one thing, try and give it up and see what I have to offer you. That's how you find the true rest. My cousin told me that the other day. He's the very thing that you don't want to talk about is the thing God wants to talk about. Yeah. You know, like the very thing you're like, okay, God, I'll do all this except that. He doesn't care about all that. It's the except. That's the one thing. Yeah. The Ruth Haley Barton line in her book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, is the following on page 96. Like all spiritual disciplines, Sabbath keeping is a means of grace, a way of opening to the transforming work of God beyond anything we can accomplish for ourselves. And I don't know if I'm preaching it wrong or if this is just takes a long time to get it out of our brains, but I think that's been the mentality of most of us. You don't get it. I can't accomplish this. So I shouldn't do it because Sabbath should be restful. So you, this is the thing and it's called surrender. Mm. It feels hard, but when you do it, you begin to have a transforming work that God does that you could never do on your own. Yeah. It's hard. And we want to have so much grace. And these first four weeks, we know most of us are just going to be really bad at it. And that's totally fine. Yeah. But I also feel this pressure because we're only doing a four-week series. So get it all in. <laughs> yeah. Perfect it in these four weeks so that you can love it by the time we're done and want to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we want to do stories after this of people doing it. And we want to keep it on the forefront in people's mind. Right. Even, I forgot to tell you, but I've been trying to figure out what do we put as the backdrop because right now it's the form by Sabbath. I thought, you know what? Actually, for all 12 weeks, we'll keep it up there just as a reminder for us. This is the practice oh, we're still engaging in. Even though we're in a different part of scripture, we're remembering, hey, like... This is a staple of our church. Yeah. Regardless of whether we're actively teaching on it or not. Yeah. And then the next week will be scripture. Where else would you like to go with this conversation? Oh, I thought you were hosting. I'm not a host. <laughs> what else did you talk about in the sermon I so listened. you had to like quickly <laughs> <laughs> no so we talked about a key idea was sabbath rest is a form of resistance against the system of death yeah and so in exodus 5 alone it shows pharaoh constantly saying hey you're causing these people to neglect their work get to their labor impose heavier work on them these guys are slackers you just need to get back to work and so pharaoh's this cruel tyrant that always demands more and egypt's a cruel system that convinced you that the pharaoh is right and the reality is pharaoh and egypt are alive and well today and we yeah. see it in materialism accumulation uh accomplishments it's embedded in our dna i even heard Pete Scazzaro, he has that really famous line, you may have Jesus in your heart, but grandpa's still in your bones. Yeah. He then tweaked it and said, it's the same. You may have Jesus in your heart, but Pharaoh's still in your bones. And so you have to do the hard work of getting that out of your system. Yeah. Anything you want to talk about that? On yeah, the no, there's a ton. It's, I think the other thing, I was thinking about this on Sunday. This might not land, so you can cut this out if it doesn't. But I also think not only are we Israel under the oppressive yoke of a Pharaoh in an Egypt, but I think we're also Pharaoh in that we use our product. Like our productivity is what fuels our materialism and our consumerism. And so like we, if we don't resist the way of productivity, not only is it detrimental to ourselves, 
but we also then begin to use other people to get something out of them that we want or just to simply feed our need for more our need to do more have more be more and in that way i think we're not just victims like israel but we're also pharaoh perpetuating that cycle that we want to be free from so sabbath is a resistance not just to the world out there but it's also a resistance to that internal pull that i have that you have to put others down and make something of myself because at the end of the day sabbath says Colossians 1, Jesus holds the world together, not me. Jesus provides what I need through my submission to him. I don't provide what I need through my like subjugation of other people. And so Sabbath is, when you use Sabbath as resistance, it's not just to the world out there. It's just to your own kind of wiring in the flesh, as Paul would describe it. Yeah, I think that's why I put that line in the message. I think it's really helpful because I think it is really easy to talk about Sabbath and only think about my own personal fulfillment and enjoyment. So we had the line in there where um, the system of death is robbing our joy and killing our neighbor. Yeah, yeah. And we have to think about the context. Isaiah 58, I think I'm mentioning it this Sunday, and 56, it talks about both with the context of the foreigner and the refugee, the wrecking the poor, right? If you're not taking care of the community, you're not Sabbathing, right? And so there, there is that communal nature. So how are we Pharaoh? In what ways do we look the other way? Um, knowing this is a better deal for me. This shirt is cheaper because it's a sweatshop and it's not my fault that they made a sweatshop, but I'm just, at least I'm giving them something like those sorts of things perpetuating. And when we hurry, we don't see the pain of our neighbor who's getting crushed by the system. Mm -hmm. We tend to don't think that way. So yeah, I think that's the other beautiful thing about Sabbath is if when done correctly, you're very concerned about your neighbor. It's a great way to invite neighbor into rest rather than just lip service. Yeah. Yeah, we try. We're not good at this, but we try just that simple thing of not making big purchases or any really purchases other than I have a friend actually who when she Sabbaths, she her main thing is not to do any work where she's like a customer. So she's not going to go and make other people serve her which is a really interesting idea just out of today. I'm not letting other people do that for me. I'm going to do this for myself thing. But yeah, it's that idea that I'm not going to make. And some of this goes into next week, but I'm not going to make any purchases because I don't want to fall into the lie that that next thing is going to make me happy or the fruit of someone else's hard labor is what I need to thrive and survive. I know that's hard. And I think bravo for that. I'm saying that's me. That's what I do, dude. No, I know. And that's the scary part about all this. And I totally see the value in that. So this last Sabbath for me and my wife, we're doing like, I'm doing all day Friday now because Saturday we have kids sports. Yeah. We have set up. And so it's like all of Friday, including the morning. It's almost like Thursday night to Friday night kind of thing, which I don't love, but it's just what's working right now. It's better than me not doing it. So Friday we went on date night with my wife and so we went and got ice cream mm-hmm. as a pleasant joy and then we went bowling and so both of those things were purchasing and that was in my mind the whole time of ah like i i even probably get to mention or maybe i already did mention on that sunday yeah it's probably wise not to buy imagine if we go back to a world where nobody worked on sunday so what's one way to step in that direction not to be customers on that day and then people won't feel the need all those sorts of things and then i thought this is friday so yeah. like everyone else is working on friday but it was like such a joy like it was so fun to yeah. go with my wife for her she does not like make cooking like yeah, she yeah. does it out of duty not delight but for us it's oh what and then i think oh i'm just gonna tip extra on this say, day too yeah. and so so bless them and go above and beyond or whatever but i totally get it 
Yeah. Uh, but that goes again to the whole purpose of this. It's grace, their season of life. Like we have kids. And so it's just nice to get out of the house yeah. without children and not have to be the caregiver yep. for 24 hours. Or it's not 24 hours. That four hour gap that we were able to find babysitters in that moment. Yeah. So that's the other tough part. And like my oldest loves movies. She's so good at watching them. And like we went and saw Ant-Man on, mm. on President's Day. That wasn't a Sabbath practice because it wasn't Sabbath, but it could have been. Yeah. And I'm like, because that was really an enjoyable thing. And I, it's become me and my d oldest faith, uh, our thing. And I'm like, yeah. I could see that in the future where I pick a Sabbath day. Come on, Faith, let's yeah. go. I think it's good. I think a lot of these are guidelines and I think it's good to follow. But I guess for me, if I think in my mind, no, I have to pay then I probably shouldn't pay for anything. It's no, I have to go out to eat. If I'm saying that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make sure I don't go out to eat this week because this sounds a little too important to me yeah. than it should be. And there are certain things like you only do on Sabbath. Like there are places I only eat at. If I'm going to eat out, I only eat out here on Sabbath. I brought up only having dessert on Sabbath and my group was like, no. And I'm like, <laughs> but listen. God wants you to give up. Yeah, there's a beauty and like the dessert tastes better if it's like a Sabbath thing it's such a weird like we're in such a the i think the spiritual culture that we're in is not accustomed to limitation and like restriction any because that reeks of this asceticism of like why would i limit my body i'm free in christ and so that's true but like I, I we're gonna do fasting someday so really we're preparing people for that but just the idea that you would limit yourself throughout the week so that you can have a full day of delight which is what sabbath is fasting is coming soon Fasting's so it's gonna be sabbath scripture then fasting get ready you just you don't get even ready. know marva don in keeping the sabbath holy says a lot of us don't know how to feast because we don't know how to fast yeah exactly like we why would a feast feel significant when we feast every day yeah and yeah there is a beauty to fasting i'm a huge proponent of fasting let's end with some ideas on how to rest i talked about mental physical emotional social and you're christian so you added spiritual in the list i was wondering if you were going to notice that yeah. <laughs> i think it's an important part we can talk about it yeah i just assumed this all was spiritual rest so i was just giving a little more tangible anyways so mental rest for your mind me and you use our minds a lot yeah, I think what so. are ways that have been helpful for you to rest your mind? I've had to, I think I've had the same problem you have in that I, I'm, what is it? I'm a, is it a T? I'm a thinking on the Myers-Briggs INTJ. So I process things through my mind a lot. I, I, I love learning new things and I really enjoy like thinking and processing, but that's also mentally exhausting. And I don't do great at this. I would love to be more consistent at like having fun workouts to just turn my mind off. But the other thing that I really have enjoyed lately has been reading fiction. So I'm still engaging my mind, but it's not tied to anything that I have to teach or write or share with people. Or I don't know like how that. you can do it. I, the fiction's so boring. What are you reading? I'm reading. So I've been going through Lord of the Rings for a long time. So yeah. I just read a little bit at a time. Yeah. But even that, for example, I consider that a practice of, I know that in the moment, this is like a long-term thing. So I won't enjoy this in the first few minutes that I open this book and I'm reading a poem by Bilbo or whatever, but I know that when I'm 20 minutes in, I'm going to feel more rested. And so it's that delayed mm, gratification, That's good. which in a way might seem like work on Sabbath, but it's not because I'm doing something that gives me deeper rest than just like turning on the TV and watching something that turns my mind off. Yeah. Like Netflix binging takes no effort, but it's not rest. It's like eating a McDonald's meal versus something that's satisfying and nutritional. It, you're going to be hungry again in an hour, 
versus a good meal that you have that has nutrients and is fulfilling. Like you're going to feel energized and, and you have life. But I also allow myself to have things like if I want to watch a Netflix movie, I do that. And if it's mindless, let's do that. I just found my old Game sure. Boy. Like my old, so I've been playing that some on Sabbath. We play Smash Bros on the Switch with the kids. And yeah. It's a blast. I yeah, think that's totally. mentally restful. For me, it's like kayaking. It's a certain time of year. So right now it's not. I was going to say now. I don't kayak right oh. now. But in the summer, I love it. I love to kayak. Uh, so that's really restful. Going on a bike ride. For me, it has to be very physical to help get mental rest. And then you have physical rest. So how do you rest your body? I think that helps with what you said too. Reading a novel is another way to mm -hmm. rest your body. I do think maybe we're not talking about enough is just engaging in the scriptures, yeah. right? Resting, sitting down, listening to the word, emotional rest. This one yeah. seems tough. How do you rest from the burden of life? Yeah. I think that some of the things I wrote in the guide were consider journaling them. So you confront them in a way that, and I think when I talked about spiritual rest, one of the things I said was lamenting prayer, which I think could also go here where you like lamenting prayer is a very specific type of prayer where you, and I've done this a few times in the past and it's really helpful, but you imagine uh, what it is that's giving you the most grief, like in your hands and you just let yourself feel that. And then you pray through it with God and you for it to God in a way. And I think that becomes restful because you're confronting it in a way that you might not throughout the rest of the week. Yeah, and you talked about writing down your worries and putting it in the Sabbath box. Yeah. Did I show people the Sabbath box? Yeah. So if you are at our church, you probably have already gotten access to this. We have a few left. This is our Sabbath box. In it, we have some goodies. It says right here, giving God 24 hours to stop, rest, delight, worship. Let's open up this bad boy. It's hard for the presentation because it's straight ahead, but this is a really good prayer to actually pray during the Sabbath. God, we ask not for what we want, but for what we need. That's such a great way to define Sabbath. It's because I think people are thinking, but that's not what I want. I want a clean house. I want, no, but what do you need right now? Yeah. And giving God that. So it's got a beautiful display, but you have this Sabbath guide which was written, prepared by Pastor Caleb, edited by Emily Heaton. And uh, this is actually available on our website in digital form at formedbyjesus.com. What's also great is we supported a local business and we got everybody candles. So this is a candle to light to start your Sabbath. You have to, there you go. And so it's actually fully organic, not bad for you. Apparently candles are terrible for you, but not this one. And we even got some matches to go along with it, yeah. as well as a little thing. So it's not too much, but it also the box is helpful because you can put your worries in it or you could actually put your phone in it. Yeah. So it's a way to lock up your phone for 24 hours. I think that's the most life-giving. Talk about getting rest from the burdens of life. I think social media just reminds us of all the problems, but no solutions. That's what the algorithm likes anyways. And just saying for 24 hours, I'm just stepping away from the issues of the world. I heard another example, because people are saying like, how can you ignore like really bad news? Like that just yeah. seems really ignorant or inconsiderate. But an example I heard the other day was like, if it's Christmas day, you learn to say, let's talk about it tomorrow. And nobody disagrees. Yeah. And a personal story, we had a miscarriage that we found out about the day before Christmas. And we had already found out it was a boy. It was just like a really, we've had two miscarriages. This one hurt the most. And on 
Sunday, on sorry, Christmas Day, I remember looking at my wife saying, this is really tough, and I really care about you, so this don't take this like insensitively, but let's just have a great day. Let's worry about it tomorrow. Let's, let's enjoy what we have in front of us. I think it was a really, I didn't feel bad about that. She loved that encouragement. Like it worked well for us. Yeah. The next day we had to process and grieve and all that, but there was this ability. So I think if you can think, man, on a wedding day, you hear bad news. You're not going to tell the groom. You're just going to deal with it. Okay. They don't need to hear about this bad news. Let's Mm -hmm. just enjoy the day. So I think that's how we need to treat Sabbath. And that's a great way to rest from the burden. You disagree. No, I was going to say it's. (laughs) because <laughs> I took a deep breath. That, yeah, you took a huge deep breath. No, it's that's actually, I think, the most defiant thing you can do. That's where a resistance really comes in also, is like you, if we talk about the spiritual war that we're in against the world, the flesh, and the devil, then like joy is an act of defiance against, again, these systems and empires that, that are actively opposed to the way of God. Is It takes a lot of confidence in God in the future to say, I know this is really bad, but I'm going to rejoice anyways because I know that's not how this whole thing ends. Yeah. And so that practice of letting go of that, even when, listen, you're not, Abraham Heschel has a thing where he says it's not like a dive, you're not just diverting your attention away, but you are regathering yourself in light of what you know is actually true and really true, truer than like the worst things that happened to you. And then another one is social rest. And so that's, hey, let's provide rest for the broken and let's get together with those that we love, but also let's get together with those in church who are going through a hard time. We have a lot in our church right now that have just received recent diagnoses that are discouraging. And so it's, hey, let's just have fun together. Let's delight in God together. So thinking about the widow, the orphan, the least of these, that I think also includes how we spend money, right? And like how we're in the marketplace on on our Sabbath and all that. And then that's spiritual rest which apparently I don't know because I didn't mention it in my sermon. So, Pastor Caleb, what are some ways we can have spiritual rest? I was thinking through that because in my, and I'm thinking through where I've been before and where I think some people in our church community have been and things like that. If you feel like you're spiritually exhausted, I think what comes to mind is like you feel like there's a deep longing for God that you're not getting. Or maybe you're in like what we've called the dark night of the soul, or not we've called, but church history is called the dark night of the soul. Or a spiritual rest in that you feel like you've been striving to earn something from God that God is freely giving you. And so you can find spiritual rest, I think, by being really intentional with your spiritual practices that day. So if it's just like a contemplative prayer, just praying through the love that God has for you or journaling or scripture reading, like you said, Psalms, meditating on the Psalms on your Sabbath, I think gives you a very specific type of rest that is spiritual and separate and distinct from like your mental and your emotional and your social and all of that. And when people feel spiritually exhausted, I think Sabbath is a great day to just bring that to God and let him communicate with you in a way that you might be more open to because you don't have the distraction of work and worry and things like that. You've already devoted a whole day to not focus on work and productivity So that to me is the opportune moment for you to open yourself up to God and allow him to heal what needs to be healed. In the together guide that you created for this week, you had a really hard question for my group. Oh boy. It was, where are you most exhausted? Is it spiritual, emotional, physical, social, mental? Mm -hmm. And a lot of them admitted it's hard to differentiate all of them. Like how do you define... You know, and actually like a huge part of Ignatius exercises that I've done is realizing that we aren't very well attuned to our bodies and what's going on in our soul. And so we just think we're exhausted. But sometimes when you find the source, when you find, oh, this is, oh, this is social. Okay. 
I just need friends. And then you're able to go from there. So picking out the reason is really helpful in the long run. I also had told people, because I said, man, I think I've had actually just spiritual exhaustion out of all of them. And they're like, so how would you define spiritual exhaustion? In my mind, there's two different reasons, at least. Let's leave that out there so that I don't get in trouble. There's at least two. One is your time with God is just depleted, right? You're not even doing it, right? So it's really essentially on you, right? You're not in the scriptures. You're not engaged in the gathering of the saints. So like you're going to be spiritually exhausted because you're not feeling that cut. But the other side of it, and like how you mentioned Dark Night of the Soul, I know my spiritual director says Dark Night of the Soul is like for the Navy SEALs of the Christian right. faith. Yeah. Right? If you're 10 years old and you've been saved for five months, you're not, You it's something else. It's not a Dark Night of the Soul. Right. And a lot of us haven't experienced it because we haven't waded into the deepness of the heart yet. Um, but like sometimes you're spiritually exhausted like when you're advancing the kingdom. Like, I think there's something about our church taking a step of faith in recent days moving into a new location, doing the series, I think I have noticed like more exhaustion and hurt and, and hangups more than ever before. And part of me is I think this is just like a spiritual battle because we're waging against the strongholds. And so just to have, Oh, okay, we're doing stuff for the kingdom. So there's going to be some exhaustion that comes from it. Yeah. You get refueled, restored by God in a way that is unique to your spiritual dimension, your spiritual life and your health, your relationship with God, essentially. It's the restoration of that relationship and not just your relationship with others. And yeah, that's good. Thank you everybody for listening to the Formed by Jesus podcast, whether it's on Spotify, we're on Spotify now, Apple podcasts, we're on Apple podcasts now, or our favorite YouTube, because we go through this pain of having a video. So you better watch the video. You know, the Instagram things are working, the reels. Oh, nice. I'm glad you accepted one. I thought you'd be like, nah, I'm not going to accept as a collaborator. I don't fully know what that means. Does it just mean that we it, it shows, shows up on, on your profile? Okay. Yeah. So cool. Anyways, grace and peace to you guys. And hope that you practice Sabbath with us. And if you are part of our church, see you Sunday.